0: Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, if you're learning math, math, then you should do it. It's just like investing, so that if you're still, if you're learning how to invest, then that's what you should do. You should listen to this podcast. Thank you, Bobby, for that endorsement and introduction to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, where we do look at the week's financial news that can be confusing, misleading, and take you off course, and we help to make it actionable. Understandable and clear. What a show for this week! A tsunami of articles. So we're going to move quickly, but some good ones for you. Wall Street Journal's all over the place. We have an interesting Jason Wig article picking a stock for the year 2048 a lesson in long term hold or a foolish experiment. A article critical of millennials. Yes, I'm a millennial. Who would have guessed? Fearful Millennials Miss the Rally. Bloomberg News. Talking about how millennials uh, were poor on market timing and other generations did better. A Wall Street Journal, Stocks Still Aren't Close to Cheap by Justin Lehart. I want to talk about what that means and whether that's actionable or not. And then in closing, we have two articles from Wall Street Journal about properties potentially, or almost in one instance, almost assuredly, going back to the lender and what lessons we can learn from some of these real estate investors with an autopsy-without-blame attitude. So let's start at the top, picking a stock for the year 2048. That's right. I said that right, the year 2048. We'll be on the, we'll be on the iPhone 87 and Chet GPT-73, flying cars, whatever. In this experiment, there is a university that is asking, its students to assemble a portfolio of 15 to 20 stocks and lock it in place for 25 years. So this is Delaware State, and these students are being given money by a benefactor to invest in this manner. This benefactor is Thomas Gaynor, chief executive of Markle Corp., a Glen Allen Virginia-based insurance company. Mr. Gaynor has run Markle's investment portfolio since 1990, built it up to $22 billion with a patient-conservative approach. 29 of these students, Virginia and Delaware State, will use money to pick investments that will be frozen for the next 25 years. Each year, the members will buy another round of stocks for the next quarter century. No one, no matter what, will ever be able to sell anything. Now, When I saw this article, I liked the experiment. I liked that they were forcing folks to not move in and out of securities. My experience with most university or school-led stock programs is that they incent the participant to engage in foolish behavior of constant turnover of the portfolio. So when I see this, I think it's pretty cool. Is it perfect? Of course not, but perhaps some muscles will be built. The article explains, rightfully so, is that from the beginning of 1993 through February 28th of this year, 58 stocks gained more than 10,000% apiece. 10 returned more than 25,000%. These super stocks include familiar names like Apple, Qualcomm, Monster, Beverage Corp, and also smaller ones... uh, a kitchen equipment maker, Middleby Corp., etc., etc. So, I I find this to be a really helpful exercise and one that I think should push the Robert Hunt Financial listener. As you know, this is also a risky experiment and has the potential to in, enforce poor behaviors. We've talked about this before, but just about 6% of the publicly traded securities account for most of the return in the index. So 94% of the securities that you or I select if we were to participate in this experiment with the students, would not do a whole lot better than just cash returns. Many would do worse. So the risk here, and why I would never endorse someone engaging in this behavior for their own portfolio, is that you could really miss out. If you don't hit on that Qualcomm, that Apple, that Monster Beverage Corp that lifted the whole index, you could be in real bad shape. And conversely, I hear you, you could pick those and make money hand over fist. However, we've seen that these active stock pickers, there is actually no rhyme or reason to who wins and who doesn't. Past performance is no indicator of future results. So what I hope occurs in this, and what I think can remind you and me, the reader of the article, is that, wow, it really makes sense to buy and hold. It is a fool's errand to sell your securities after they go up, just a little bit. What's the best vehicle for that? The market capitalization-weighted index fund in an exchange-traded fund wrapper, maybe in a mutual fund wrapper, probably an ETF wrapper, and just holding that forever. It's gotten so easy in 2023 that you don't have to do these experiments, but you can learn from them. So cool experiment, better than what most universities put on, and a great way to force people to slow down their investing, but you can just buy the index. Go ahead and do that. I'm going to be critical here on this next article of my own generation. Bloomberg News says fearful millennials missed rally. The survey here nearly half turned to cash before the stock market surged. Millennials were more likely than any other generation to flee the stock market during last year's route. Ouch. That meant they were more likely to miss out on the subsequent rally. Gen X uh, did better. Baby boomers did even better. So what are we to make of this? If half of millennials, 34% of Gen X, 24% of baby boomers, Survey was more than 2,600 clients in this uh, 2,600 clients of the EY Global Wealth Asset Management Group. Now, I wonder. With any of these this data, you have to look at the noise. I sometimes wonder: Are millennials, because they're more tech savvy and have these ability to trade on their smartphone, or confident? Are they more prone to engage in this foolhardy behavior? Whereas, hey. The blessing of not being tech savvy, hehe. Gen X and baby boomers, they just, they, maybe they don't feel the confidence to get in there and, and buy and sell. I don't know, this is my own hypothesis, but it, this article warns there's downside to pulling money from stocks. JP Morgan data shows that investors who were absent for the S&P 500's 10 best days, 10 best days in the two decades pr- through 2022 received half the gains of those who were in the market for the entire period. So. To my millennial brethren, it may be worthwhile to actually uninstall the app, the TD Ameritrade Char- Charles Schwab Fidelity Vanguard app on your phone if, in fact, it is causing you to trade with frequency. I think it may be wise to uninstall some of your Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, if that's also keeping you, your head spinning. So I just want all the generations to know, millennials, why can't you just be more like the baby boomers? Did you hear that, my Baby Boomer listeners? I'm encouraging my millennial brethren to be more like you. Pat yourselves on the back. Poor Gen I know we just skip you. You're an important part as well. Pat yourselves on the back as well. And millennials, let's, let's change our ways. Let's keep, let's keep moving on the up and up. Uh, Wall Street Journal article, Stocks Still Aren't Close to Cheap by Justin LaHart. Subheadline: Investors Should Take Note When Many of the Methods of Value in the Stock Market Say It's Still Expensive. I would edit this to say investors should not take note when many of the methods of value and stock market say of. I went down this rabbit trail many years ago and I can always be tempted to do the same when I look at some of the measurements of um, how a stock market is priced, but there was a book and I believe it was by Mr. Ben Stein. I'm gonna double check it. But I believe it was Ben Stein and I think it was called, Yes. You can time the market. How's that for a headline? It really captured me. And that's it, correct, okay. For $13.90, you can buy it. Don't do it, I'll save you the time. But I was infatuated with the idea in my youth that I could just wait for when stocks got cheap and you could measure that on the price to earnings multiple, you could measure that on book value, all these terminologies that you don't necessarily need to know, but you could do price to sales what Mr. Ben Stein, you remember Mr. Ben Stein, he he would say, why don't you just wait? Now, when I went back and looked at his data, what I noticed was, and I was pretty fired up with the book, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to invest only when the indicator tells me to invest, only when it gets below a certain level. Well, there was like a 25-year period that the indicator would have told me to stay in cash. Now, what human amongst us is going to be able to stay in cash for 25 years. That's an investing lifetime for some of us. So I, I decided, you know, I can't really do that. And what you realize is, psychologically, that's close to impossible. If not, In 1996, folks thought stocks were expensive. Well, from 1996 to 1999, you, you, people were making money hand over fist. There is no way you would stay in cash. There's just no way. And so what this article explains is that the index, the S&P 500, trades at, times analyst expected earnings over the next year. This isn't as high as it was at the beginning of the year, but it's still higher than the five-year average. Okay. So they're trying to say, Hey, five-year average is 16.9 and it's trading at 18.3. That's expensive. So maybe be careful. It also trades at 2.2 times expected sales down from 2.85, but still higher than the average of 1.91. I tell folks when this comes out, you just can't listen to it. Now, there are times, and you will see it on the chart in nineteen ninety nine where I will admit, I will admit, the US stock market in nineteen ninety nine looked expensive. What I'm here to tell you is that I still don't believe psychologically or behaviorally it's actionable for you. I will also confess that the Japanese stock market in nineteen eighty eight, in hindsight, looks incredibly expensive. It's still not back to its peak. What I'm here to tell you is that in the moment you and I and the rest rest of us as investors we are not going to have the iron will required to sit in cash. What is a much better and more likely outcome that's positive in your favor in my favor is to invest consistently over the cycle, to be agnostic, if at all possible, on valuation, and to just keep investing if you can. Dollar cost averaging across the time periods because if we try to overthink this thing and finesse this thing, you know, it's not gonna be worth it. It's not gonna be good. So, as these articles come out, just remember that that book. If you want to, yes, you can time the market by Ben Stein. If you really want to believe that and fall through on that, you might have a 20 to 25 year period where you're not allowed to invest. Nobody's gonna make it through that. I won't. You won't. Let's just stick with it. And then in closing, we've got two articles that highlight the risk associated with leverage, and it's not firm-specific risk but asset-specific risk in the real estate world. One article by Will Parker, record-high Manhattan apartment rents may not save Blackstone from default, Blackstone being the famous and very large private equity fund. Subheadline: cash flow from a portfolio of apartments isn't enough to cover the cost of all the debt, report said. And then another article, Fire sale, $300 million San Fran office tower is mostly empty. 350 California Street might sell for 80% less than it was worth four years ago. So let's start with this uh, Manhattan story by Mr. Will Parker. And I want you to listen to what's going right right now. And yet the reality is the equity investors, the folks that put money in these buildings, are probably going to get a zero. Listen here. Apartment rents in Manhattan are soaring to new highs this year. Huh. Even as rents plateau or fall in the rest of the country... And yet Blackstone risks losing a portfolio of Manhattan apartments anyway. The real estate PE firm is in danger of defaulting on $270 million, backed by 11 apartment buildings in New York's most expensive borough. Cash flow from the properties isn't enough to cover the cost of all the debt. Huh? How did that happen? This is Blackstone. They've got pretty good analysis of these things. Apartments of the building were leased for an average of $3,700 a month in 2019. The median rent in Manhattan has increased another 20% to record highs. Huh. And these are market rate apartments, so the firm's been able to take advantage of the borough's price increases, but it wasn't enough. Turns out these apartments took a lot of TLC in terms of getting them up to snuff with just a little older product. They had to put a lot of money in it. And no surprise, a lot of debt here. And they were financed with something called floating rate debt, which is typical for properties that are kind of fixed up and then sold in a markup, the article explains, but you see the risk. So some investing, I will analogize to picking up quarters on a train track. Okay, so we were in a low interest rate environment. That means there's cheap debt for people like Blackstone to buy good assets like these apartments were and clip the coupon, make the difference and fix them up and sell them. This analogy has always helped me, and it was explained to me that oftentimes that's like picking up quarters on a railroad track. And what do I mean? That It's going to work out just fine so long as the train doesn't come. And you're going to look like a genius so long as the train doesn't come. But if rates rise, and they did, it almost doesn't matter how well you execute, you're going to be in some trouble. So if you borrow enough money and you make it floating rate debt, Even if these assets are doing okay, I'm sure. The rents are up. Maybe they put a little more than they were supposed to, but they're probably going to get a zero. So be mindful, investor. A lot of times when folks are wandering from the straight and narrow of the index fund, which is fine if you've got expertise in a certain area, I, I encourage folks to go all the way with it. Be the very best you can. But be mindful. If you are a hobbyist, whether it be a real estate investing hobbyist, oil and gas hobbyist, and you want to use debt, there is always the chance you get zeroed out. The almighty index fund, zeroing out of that, your problem will not be the zeroing out of the index fund, will be the grocery store having no food. And then along a long similar vein, the $300 million San Francisco office tower has lost 80% of its value four years ago. Now this story, this is one billion, a 22-story glass and stone tower, 350 California Street, worth $300 million 2019. They're now saying it may come in at $60 million. Why is that, that 80% decline? Well, San Fran's gone through some tough times. COVID made folks realize they didn't need to go into the office and a bunch of loan debt on it. So there's just a bunch of vacancy. So if you're an investor, put yourself, it's easy to look at these deals and say, oh, I never would've done, oh yes, we would've done this. This is, go back to 2019, there's no COVID and San Francisco's doing great, Tech market's doing great. You get pitched a deal. Hey, why don't you invest in this beautiful office tower? It's big. Great tenants, everything's going great. Just four short years later, you're getting zeroed out, and the lender is probably taking a bath as well. So, right now, this this is about seventy five percent vacant. The primary tenant, Union Bank, left it. So, the 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 lesson here is not, hey, we can't invest in real estate. No, not at all. It's that you, with humility, you need to go about this, and also risk management. So. Be very suspicious of folks who want you to put inordinate amounts of money in a deal with very uh, attractive looking, they call them IRRs, internal rate of return on some of these pitch decks. I've never seen a pitch deck that didn't have wonderful data. Even if they are great operators, even if the is a great asset, there could be forces outside of their control and your control. For example, COVID here and the New York example, the floating rate debt for Blackstone, that just cause it to be a dud and you literally will zero out your money. Zero it out. So whatever you put in, you're getting not a nickel back. not talking about the band there for all you Nickelback fans. You're not getting a nickel back. So be willing to gather little by little and prosper. Because as we know, wealth gain hastily will dwindle. So be suspicious of debt and large amounts of it, particularly floating rate being used to buy assets that are in the ocean where the storms can come. What will happen? So as always, keep your costs. Slow, kick your bed.